Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. Man, you know what? Our worship team, our production team, everybody just does a great, y'all give them one more hand. And so here's the deal. Uh, They were in that... uh, um, last song and uh, I, I don't know I, I just I just wanted Nathan to play a little bit before we get in here's the thing if we haven't met yet I'm really glad you're here uh, every service that we have um, I'm really hoping that God does something in your life like, like not just content I think content's great um, and, and it is good because sometimes people go to church and there's things that they haven't ever learned or they, they don't know. But really, I know that for me, a lot of times what I need is I need education, but I also need connection. And so connection comes when we are able to connect with the Father. And, um, and so I, I don't know, like sometimes after a service, I... Uh, stand at the door and I'm always out front and it's amazing how many people I hear that are going through things going through something hard going through a a conflict going through a a health issue just like just going through something and so uh, man if you're going through something today if you're going through something this last week has been hard for you this last month, maybe, maybe you're like, go longer. Like, maybe it's been a year. Come on, I want you to just stand up right where you're at. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, it's all right. It's okay. And, and y'all make sure this, look, look, look at me. When you stand up, don't look down. Because... There are two voices that you're always going to hear. You're always going to hear shame and blame, and that comes from the enemy. He's the accuser of the brethren. So he'll always be in your ear telling you what you're not. And then you'll hear the Spirit of God. If, if, if you're saved or God is drawing you, you'll begin to hear vague vision. You'll begin to hear, I have something for you. You'll be... At the same, you'll, you'll live in a tension of I'm not enough and yet I feel God moving in my life that I am also inspired and there's a hope in me that I really feel like God is about to do something. Does that make sense? Anybody else need to be in on this? Come on. So if someone's around you, come on, turn around and... Like, not in a weird way, but just lay, lay your hands on them. No, don't be weird. Come on. Come on. Turn, I'll turn around and help. Let's go. Look, this man right over here. Hey, look, if you're in our church, get up and move. You know what I mean? Like, like come on, we're not... This is what church is. We equip the saints for the work of the ministry. 
So you may have kicked the cat on the way so you feel like you can't pray. Just say, God, forgive me and pray for somebody. All right. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you that you are moving in our church. And Father, Lord, there are real needs and real concerns and, and, and real struggles. And Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we give you all of these concerns. Father, we ask that you would move through the pain and that you would touch each one of these individuals right where they're at. Holy Spirit, that you would be present. And Father, right now, we speak hope into their life in Jesus' name. Father, we come into agreement with the assignment that you have, not what has been done, but what you're going to do. And Father, right now, we cancel the accuser in Jesus' name. We speak life. Come on, if you're praying for them, come on, just begin to speak life over them. Come on, let them hear you. God, we thank you for life. We thank you for wholeness. We thank you for healing. We thank you, God, that you are opening doors. We thank you that you're redeeming. We thank you that you're moving. Father, right now, you're repairing the breaches. You're repairing the broken places. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody said amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap. Awesome. Glad that you're here. You know, one of the things that I think is important when you come to church is your posture. Not just the fact that you sit upright or you shrug your shoulders, but it is the fact that are you someone that is teachable? Teachable. Are you someone that, that like there's been ministry in your life and maybe you trans, transition and move from another place to here and you used to be a pastor or associate pastor, or a deacon or this or that. And so when you come to church, you, you are churchy. You do churchy things. And so it's about presentation and, uh, and tradition. And it's kind of like Pavlov's theory. You ring the bell, the dog salivates. It's the science of doing what I've been trained to do. But yet there is no connection when you do it. And so you're doing it out of tradition. And everything is traditional, but there is no connection. There's none. And so actually your, your heart is hard, your mind is off, and you're coming for a lesson, but you're not coming for connection. And I just want to challenge you that the posture of your heart will determine your next victory. I'm going to say that again. The posture of your heart determines your next victory. And so we as Americans church we're addicted to normal. We want breakthrough and we want God to move, but we don't want to concentrate and don't believe that we can hear a word that actually can change our life. So we come every Sunday and, and, and aim for normal. And I am telling you, you can have as much normal as you want. So it's cool. 
But there are some of you that you are tired of normal and you actually feel this thing burning in you and that is called God's passion in your life and he is wanting to fan that, he is wanting to flame that, he is wanting to see that execute in your life and he wants to burn away come on listen all the iniquities in your life that hold you back keep you silent and keep you defeated so if you don't have a posture of teachability then here's the deal um, you can be in the classroom and not learn you can be in the church and not grow you can have money and never victory you, you, you actually can go through life and never experience what God has for you. And that's not our heart for this church. That's not our heart for you. And so we have to make a connection. Make a connection. Last week, I got to spend some time with an older gentleman. And there, for the last couple of years, I really have, my wife, my family and I, we have been growing in our freedom in our spiritual freedom. I, I'm, I'm really convicted. Uh, uh, I don't want our ministry to be known for shame and blame. I really do want our ministry to, not where we won't educate and we won't teach and we won't help, but, but I'm really, okay, God, what do you need to do in me so that you can do it in our team, so that you can do it in our people? Does that make sense? And so it, that, that's important for me. To, 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 okay, God, work in me. And so he began to teach some concepts and uh, it meant it made some connections for me and I thought, okay, there are some habits I want to break and there's some other things that I want to come into. And for me, learning is exciting because I'm still growing. Like if, if you're here, you're still growing. Like you're not on cruise control. There's way more than salvation for you. Salvation is the doorway, it's the cross, you enter in. There's so much that God has for you. But God is always helping us to connect the dots at things that he wants us to see that we may only see in fragment. Remember when you were a kid and the elementary teacher would sit give you a, a sheet of paper and you kind of could vaguely see what it was but you had to connect all the dots to get the full picture y'all remember that well that's what God is doing in our life and every time you come to church every time you open your Bible every time you pray every time you like like not just like seance prayers where they're they're words with no meaning but like actual prayer where I'm like unleashing some deep things in me and I'm giving them to the Lord does that make sense so God has pictures that he wants you to see and he wants to change the picture of maybe how you grew up and he wants you to, to, to come into this fulfillment and fullness that only his spirit provides. Over the next few weeks, I am hoping that the spirit of God would connect the dots in you and make the connection that you know that money is spiritual. We're going to be talking about financial stewardship and generosity, and we're going to start a new sermon series called The Generosity Plan. Now, I get it. There are two very hard things to talk about in church, money and sex. 
You start talking about sex in church and the religious people get all mad and they're like, there should have been a PG-13 rating. And I'm like, shut up. You let your kids watch TikTok. <laughs> I promise you, they've already scrolled more than what I'm going to say. And so in church, money is one of those things that we all think about but nobody talks about. And money is spiritual. And God has a plan for you. And God has a plan for you to manage your money. And if we do, then it will work. And and we love a plan. We love to plan birthday parties and Christmas and Thanksgiving. We love safety plans. How many of y'all want to go to work and and have a plan? Like you don't want to just show up at work and not know what to do. And the goal line is vague. And we don't know if we're winning or we're losing. We want, we want a plan. We want to understand, execute, achieve. Play, yeah. I, have five, I have four kids and almost said five. <laughs> like, Lord. <laughs> four and no more. <laughs> God, if you want me to have another one. <laughs> well, I just need to clarify that because I can't have children. So uh, some of y'all, okay. Okay. Uh, I'm getting off. I'm getting off. That was way more than you wanted. We have four kids, and I've sat in the stands a lot. Every coach shows up. They got a plan. And you, you, you may sit through some kids' sports, too. And from your vantage point, you're like, what is the plan? <laughs> we have the plan to lose <laughs> every game this season. <laughs> it's so exciting. I'm glad I paid for this. <laughs> Giving up eight Saturdays to be terrible. <laughs> but no, I mean, seriously, coaches have plans. It's hard to coach, and, and you know, practice is the plan. And, and, and I just I think it's important for us to realize what is our plan for financial stewardship and generosity. Let me give you two verses. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 11 says this. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle. But whoever gathers little by little will what? Okay, say it like we all can read. Will what? Increase. Increase. Increase it little by little. And so what this means is we've got to make sure that we don't come under a worldly thought process like God is not a lotto God. God is not like, ooh, ooh, 7, 11, 12, 14, 16, boom. You know, like God's not 7, 11. Come on, baby, back door, little Oh, God, God is not going to advance you. And we have a lot of believers that their strategy... Their plan is that I'm going to pray that God bless me. I'm not going to really do anything. I'm not going to change anything. I'm not going to address any concepts that I have about money. But God is just going to do it because he loves me. And here's the thing. If, if you would Google on the internet those who um, actually won the lotto or those that received an inheritance that they did not earn, a large portion of them are worse off than they were before. Why? Because money involves character, and the more you have, the more you'll have to steward internally. 
you win millions of dollars and guess cousins are calling. Hey, I've always loved you. You know, you're our favorite. And so some of the worst things, worst thing that you could wish for is to have what you don't respect. Money gained quickly will dwindle. If you don't have the discipline to manage it, then you won't have the discipline to keep it. But little by little, everybody say little by little. Little by little, it can increase. In other words, uh, little by little, I'm going to start budgeting. Little by little, I'm going to uh, maintain. Little by little, and then all of a sudden, you begin to submit to the process of actually being a good steward over what God's given you. And then here's the deal. More can come over time. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 and 7 says this. But I say this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So let everyone give what they have purposed in their heart, not begrudging or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. In other words, there's a direct correlation to if you sow little, you grow little. But if you, come on, begin to give, and I just want you to understand there's a reason why money in church, people begin to harden their heart, they begin to uh, get clinch because they feel like the, the, the church or someone wants more from me and you're doing the sermon to extract but the truth of the matter is you're going to see today money is spiritual and there is a condition that you have mentally, emotionally and spiritually connected to your money and, and we want you to get into the posture where you can bountifully begin to grow and exceed. My assignment today is make the connection. Make the connection. Important words in the Bible. Believe is in the Bible 272 times. Believe. Prayer is in the Bible 371 times. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. 365 times. One for every day of the year. Like don't fear. Love, 714 times. Money, 800 times. Giving, 2,161 times. So we would have to draw this conclusion that if there is almost 3,000 comments on money and giving, what is the practical implication of the spiritual truth? Because money is, in fact, spiritual. It's spiritual. It is clear that God has a lot to say about money and giving. And I want you to know that it's not just uh, theoretical, but it is spiritual. We love to think about money. So let me ask you this. Where did your thoughts about money come from? I'm sure that as an adult now, you uh, are listening to podcasts and YouTubes and you're growing your financial mind and maybe you're a, a fan of Dave Ramsey and you snowball debt everything. You love snowballs. And so you're, you're kind of doing your thing. But, but if we were going to be honest, where did your ideas about money come from? Well, they came from your family. So let's talk about it. 
Money should be, money should be, money should be managed, earned, provided, found, taken, rejected, given, hidden, invested, judged. Let's, money should be, well, I'm gonna tell you right now. See those people over there? They think they're better than us. So you learned at a very young age, people with money are the enemy and they cannot relate to you because they don't experience what you experience. So at a very young age, you learn to judge people with invested. Money should be invested. And so if you're not investing in a home, in an IRA, in a money market, hidden. Some of you grew up in a house where money was in a cookie jar, a mattress, a sock. Like money was just hidden. And so you got married and you're like, what do I do with money? I hide it. You're like, why do I do that? I don't know. That's just what my parents did. They hid stuff, so I hide stuff. It's cool. And then every time you put on your pants, you're like, God provided. And then you left it there. It's given. It's given. Money's given. And so some of you were in context where, you know, you saw your families give away money and cars and whatever, and it was healthy, but that some of you saw, saw unhealth, and, and you, your own parents couldn't pay the bills, but they were giving everything away. And you were like, why don't we eat, and then we can help somebody else eat. And at a, as a small child, you begin to start thinking, this is what I'm going to do when it's my turn. Money's rejected. Oh, I'm going to tell you right now. They called me in. They wanted to give me that position, but I knew what they were thinking. And so I said, you can't buy me. You can take that money and you can. Because I know what you're trying to do. I'm trying to give you an opportunity because you're really good at your job. Do you want to? <laughs> no. Because you want me to stay longer. But I want you to make more. <laughs> I'm not one of those people. Okay, good meeting. Money should be taken. So you found the places where all the money was hidden. Maybe you had a parent that had a money jar in their bedroom and when they were gone, (laughs) and your parents are like, Where are you getting all this money? God provided. (laughs) Won't he do it? (laughs) Money's found. And so you are constantly, you too. And I still haven't found. And it doesn't matter. Like you're constantly like, I got to find, I got to. And so four or five times a year, you don't even know why you switch jobs but you're perpetually hunting for that. And so you're so focused on finding that you can't manage. Provided, money's provided. So now you go around and you look for people. You don't even know it, but you get friends with people who have means and 
you tell your problems. Not because you cognitively want something, but because you feel like people can help provide for me. See, here's the thing. Growing up, you, what was your impression and response for money? I'm trying to get us to draw the connection that it, it's spiritual. Did you ever feel like there was enough? Let's talk about that. Enough food, enough space, enough shelter, uh, enough money. I mean, when, when, the, when the food was fixed, did everybody come running and first was best? Did you grow up in a home where whoever ate faster got seconds? Because we believed that I was not going to have enough? Did you ever feel judged by how you lived? I mean, if you had enough, people said it was too much. But I didn't grow up with a silver spoon in my mouth. It must be nice. No one ever thought for a second that even though we have money, we still have problems. Like, yeah, we had money, but money didn't stop dad's anger. Money never stopped mom's depression. See, you were too poor. Well, you went into scenarios and, and you knew people were looking at what you wore and, and when you got a haircut and, 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 the, and your shoes and you, 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 you could feel walking in that people were addressing you and what you had and you knew at that moment you were, you were different. You were not enough. Told you before that when my parents got divorced, we, they, we lived in Round Rock and, and we, my mom went back to school to be a dental hygienist and she, we moved to Beeville and uh, my mom had never really learned financial management. I'm not throwing her under the bus. She just, she never learned that. And so we moved into low-income housing. We were on food stamps and WIC and whatever. And, and I went to play basketball and I made the team and, and, I knew I didn't have money to eat out when we traveled, so I was always purposefully the last person off the bus, and I always carried some work with me so that I could act like I was working in a booth by myself so that nobody could see that I didn't have money to eat. So this happened like three or four games, and the fourth game, I go to my normal booth, and there's a cup of money. And every time we went and did a travel game, there was a little bit of money in a cup, enough for me to get something to eat. And so I, I was in attention because I was grateful and I was blessed and I wanted to do that for somebody else, but I was also the one that needed it. And so I, I'm, I'm trying to help us all understand that, that maybe we do need to think about money and maybe our money situation is based on things that have happened, come on, in our life and maybe God wants to move us from, listen, out of bondage. Come on, you hearing me? Maybe you were just average. 
just average and you're like, like we, we did have enough and, and we, we did do Christmas and we did do this and we, we, did, we did eat occasionally, a couple times a year, we did have steak and we weren't rich and we weren't wealthy, but we, we were average and I would go to this house and realize we had more and I would go to this house and realize we had less. This house was going on trips and, and, and this house wasn't. And now riding the tension and you, you soon realize in all three categories, if you made a lot, you, you soon realize I can't talk about this trip around my friends because if I do, they're going to start saying, oh, well, it must be nice. So I begin to hide blessings in my life. And I learned really quickly not to share. How did the lack of money affect your decisions? Like what opportunity do you believe you missed? What trip, what mission trip, what ministry, what opportunity, what business? Like what do you think that you believed you missed? What birthday present were you not able to buy? I remember being young in ministry and <laughs> people would give me a present and I would be so mad. And I know some of you are like, what? But I was like, if you give me something now, I feel compelled to give you something. I got nothing to give you, and I have no money to give you, so please don't buy me anything. Just tell me you love me. And I'm projecting that to everyone, thinking that I'm not in bondage, that I'm actually the one smart here. Come on. Are you making the connection? Luke chapter 16, verse 11 says this, If then you have not been faithful in unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? This is actually an incredibly deep passage. Here's what this means. That the unrighteous wealth is, is actually a lesser power. It is us buying and selling. It's worldly commerce. And God is actually saying that if you are unfaithful, irresponsible, and untrustworthy with this money, this lower form of power, why would God grant you and give you spiritual power? Because the same heart is in effect. Just like people say, well, people with more money give more. No, 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 no. People with more money are scared they're gonna be, oh, it's all going to be gone. And so God is actually using a practical thought. If you can't give and manage out of the practical, then what would happen if I gave you the ability to prophesy miracles, healing, whatever? You would do it and you would use it to benefit you, not because you were a conduit for me. And if you can't use this to begin to build my kingdom, why would I think you could use this to build your kingdom? Come on, is this real? So here's the thing. My hope for you is that you move out of bondage into blessing. Out of bondage, come on, listen, and into blessing so that God can touch our church and that we can manage well, save well, steward well, invest well, and then posture ourselves to a place where God could trust us with spiritual things. Does this make sense? Okay, so let's talk. Bondage. Bondage is a scarcity, poverty mindset. Bondage. 
I don't have enough. All people want is my money. Fear that I will lose what I have. What if the world, come on, all of us went through COVID. What if the world shuts down again? What if I don't have enough to live the rest of my life on when I stop working? Uh, Other people are my source. I am at a disadvantage. All of that is a scarcity, poverty mindset. And that is not what God has. Come on for you. Amen. Come on, y'all give the Lord a hand. Come on. God wants you to move into a blessing mentality where, where there, there is abundance. And, and here's the deal. I'm not talking about, listen, hear me. I'm not talking about a prosperity gospel where you can name it, claim it, blab it, and grab it, and go, and whatever. I, I'm not saying that. But we, if we throw out these concepts and, and, and adopt the doctrine that everything has to be hard and everything has to be rough and God is not going to bless us, then you're missing seed, time, and harvest. You're missing the fact that when the word of God does not come back void, I plant seeds, those seeds grow, they produce a harvest, and all of a sudden, I begin to move into places of prosperity and increase little by little. Come on. We want you to have a blessing mindset. My significance comes from the Lord. It is not based on what I have, what I own, what I, what I drive, how I look. Let all that stuff go. Let it all go. Can I tell you something? I heard it this weekend, and I'm reminded of it. But when you come to church, nobody cares how you look. Nobody's looking at you because everybody's scared, and everybody's wondering what they look like. And we fundamentally have to get the people of God to have the confidence of the Lord and realize he is enough and that changes how I walk in the room. Stop thinking, are they going to accept me? And start thinking, God loves me. God has a plan for me. God has good things for me. I am here to grow. God has something he wants to do in my life. And every year, God is going to be doing more in my life. Come on. Y'all give him a hand. Come on. (laughs) Begin to think, I have all I need. I have all I need. I have an abundant mindset. You're not blessed because you get all you want. You are blessed because you have all you need. God provides. And based on what God has already provided, come on, hear me, you can do these three things. You can budget and manage it. You can save and invest. And you can give. Here is the picture of what There are four pictures that I feel like people begin to see themselves as. Right now, your financial stability is you're a cruise ship, baby. It's good. The wind, the scenery, it's good. And that's okay. Maybe it's a normal day. You're like, "I'm, I'm not on the cruise ship, but the sun's out, the lawn's mowed. It looks pretty good. Maybe your storm clouds. We just got that doctor bill. We just had a job transition. We just had some, oh. Maybe you're feeling like I'm in a hurricane. Y'all don't even know. I I can't even pay attention. Because it costs too much. (laughs) 
See, there are stages in our life. And here's the one thing that I want you to know about stages. Stages always change. And each one of these stages will build character and integrity in your life. There are five areas of financial awareness. Will you put those up? That we are trying to disciple this body and move them from struggling to surviving, from surviving to tithing, from tithing to generous, and from generous to extremely generous. This is the process, and every one of these, listen, is a spiritual stronghold. It's a spiritual door that you open and walk through. You don't have to struggle for the next 25 years. The goal isn't for you just to survive. The goal is to begin to order your life so that God will bless your life and move that where I'm going to tithe, I'm going to be generous, and I'm going to be extremely generous. We are two months away from ending out this year. Let's break the scarcity mindset. Let's connect the dots and see money as spiritual. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to break poverty off of our lives and let's plan to grow little by little. Let's plan to grow little by little. Money reveals what is in your heart. Money reveals what's in your heart, what you're really thinking about. I mean, not many of us can open your chest and look in your heart and see what's there. But the Bible says that what comes out of our mouth is an indicator. Our attitude is an indicator. Our posture is an indicator. Luke chapter 21, verse 1 through 4, look at this. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering boxes. We have offering boxes. We're biblical, okay? And he saw the poor widow put in two small coins. And he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more in than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But in her poverty, she gave all that she had to live on. Here is the concept, and I want to walk you through a, a, a spiritual thought. I am not telling you that every day when you come to church, you need to leverage everything that you have and, and give beyond your means. But I am telling you in your Christian life, if you've never done that, if God's never challenged you in that way, then there are spiritual moments when God wants to take you to the next level and these moments will test who you trust. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's why, what's one of the reasons we do a heart for the house every year because it's above the tide and it is an opportunity for people to go, it's people for people to ask God, what do you want me to do? And then combine their faith. So here's what I want you to say. See, when heaven looks at your giving, it wants to see one thing. Is your giving connected to faith in God? Are you giving mindlessly? Or is your giving connected, come on, listen, to the Lord? Like, like when we pray, are you praying the same thing every day and every time we come together and it's yada yada skittles, it doesn't even matter what you're saying? Like it's religion? Or are you connecting what you're giving and you're realizing, I am still giving you my first, come on, listen, and my best. As we look at this, she gave her best. And so here's the thing. 
We want to give our best. When we have moments of worship, we are giving our tithe. We are giving our first and best. We'll talk about that more as we go on. But, but we also have to manage, listen, well. And I want to encourage you, if you've never been on a budget, I know that some of you thought I just cussed. <laughs> but budget is not a cuss word, okay? Budget, write down your total income for the month after taxes, write down all of your expenses, make a budget. It's not a dirty word. It is, a, all a budget is, is a plan on where you want to take your money. You get to decide. And so let, let's talk about this. I want you to see it. Go ahead and put that graph up there. When we talk about giving God our first and our best. So here's what we know from the Old Testament all the way through to the New Testament, God always blesses order. God blesses order. And so when we are out of order, then we are not under a blessing. Okay? This is why we care about politics. When we are out of order, we are not under a blessing. God created male and female. And there are real people, listen, who have real backgrounds of abuse and trauma and whatever. And we want to be in proximity to those people so that we can love them just like we love the single dad, the single mom, the person caught in homosexuality. What, like the church's job is to minister healing to people. Y'all act like you don't know that. Come on, that, that should have been an amen right there. That should have been easy... Like easy buckets. Come on. Amen? Amen. But to think that God will bless a nation that wants to change order is naive. God created a male, a male, a female, a female. We are not hurting with people. Who, we, we are not judging people who struggle, but we're also not redefining and capitulating and acting like we can be blessed by God and change what he said. So, amen on that. Let's talk about money. <laughs> I, I know why you didn't want an amen. Some of y'all are real smart. Listen, so God is like, hey, I want to be first in your life. Seek you first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added. I promise you, I can add things that the enemy cannot steal from you. And so we put tithe first. So this right here is $60,000 a year. I did it real easy. Some of you are like, I wish. Some of you are like, oh, thank God that was years ago. Uh, uh, but the idea is I give my first and best to the Lord. And then, listen, look at me. I pay myself. Some of you are not paying yourself. And so you're leveraging your credit card to pay for an emergency. And so the emergency interest is going to someone else to feed their family. And God's like, yo, if you want to grow, then put me first, pay yourself Live on 80% and you might not get to drive what you want to drive. You may not get to live where you want to live. You may not get to go where you want to go. But if you will do this in five years, you will have what you didn't have. Come on, hear me? The reason we drive what we want, 
we look the way we want, we live where we want, is because we honestly care what everybody else thinks. Having stuff is not bad. And we are never going to disparage somebody for winning. God has blessed you, your business, whatever. Like, praise God. Thank you, Lord. Like, we're not going to be a broke church. But at the same time, Katie and I are 21 years into this, and we've been running a budget for almost 20 years. Every Friday when we get paid, we sit down, she goes to the bank, we get cash, we do envelopes, we do the deal, and we discipline and little by little, little by little, little by little. And so, where can you live? Well, based on this, I got to move out of my rental or my home, and I've got to live in a box. <laughs> well, all I'm telling you is if you run your life like we run our government, where money doesn't matter, Budgets are <laughs> mystical. <laughs> then I am telling you, is it better to live in a box and grow into a house or is it better to live a lie and be in a house and be made to live in a box? You hear what I'm saying? Come on, come on. That's why we all watch movies like uh, The Pursuit of Happiness and different things that inspire us because you're like, you did incredible things. Yeah. Yeah, I did. So here's the thing. Are we good? Y'all mad at me? Trying to help you. Make the connection. Money is spiritual. And here's my disclaimer. I want to say two things. You're not managing your wealth so that you move into a position where you do not need God. When you manage your wealth so that you can position yourself to minister and not be owned. Remember, God has good things for you. And so if we're going to be honest, we're going to show a video in just a second. And as believers, listen, believers are the only people that advance the gospel. There's only one thing that you can take to heaven, and that's souls. Hear me. Ministry is accelerated because of money. Churches are built because of money. Missionaries are sent and planted because of money. And listen, I don't believe that church has to be broke. And if you can't go, you can always send, and you can always build. Amen? Come on, give the Lord a hand clap. So here's the thing. The truth is this, I think the enemy wants you in bondage, broke, frustrated, mad, angry, hard-hearted in the area of finances because it does affect the acceleration of the gospel. Okay, listen. Non-believers don't build the church. You understand that, right? Non-believers don't build the church. So your position of stewardship is part of the advancement of what God is doing, not only in our church, but around the world. 
there is a verse in Luke. You go ahead and put that on there. Do you mind putting that on there real quick? Look at this. And that servant who knew his master's will but didn't act accordingly received a severe beating. Nobody's beating you today. And the one who did not know, look at this, deserved a beating, but he got a light one. In other words, here's the, look at this is the point. Everyone to whom much is given, much is required. And from him who is entrusted much, they will be demanded more. Here is the point that I need you to see. Look at me. Don't let this verse be a trigger in your culture. Listen. Here is the thing. America and the Western society across the world does exponentially more in their finances. Like we live at a higher rate. Y'all understand what I'm saying? And we are judged for how quickly the gospel moves because we have more. You may not feel like you have more, but we do as a society. Go look, go Google it. We have more. Okay? Most of you even have an air fryer in your house. Don't get me tripping. So here's what I'm saying. To much is given, much is required. To much is given, much is required. We absolutely want you to leverage your financial position so that you can leave a legacy to your children and your children's children. And we also want you to believe that if we put God first based on His Word, that God will pour out a blessing in such a way that I will not be able to contain it. That's the Bible. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the House website. We hope you have a great week.